Hello and welcome to Corporate Grime. I'm Anthony Clan, investigative journalist, and I'm joined with Professor Andy Schmulo, a corporate crime expert or corporate governance expert. Um, we're discussing issues regarding corporate governments in Australia. Um, this is our second episode. Um, today we're having a bit of a look at PwC. Welcome, Andy. A very good morning to you, Anthony, and a very good morning to our listeners. I'm Absolutely delighted to welcome those of you who've returned. Thank you so much for coming back. Uh, I appreciate your time. I really do. And uh, my commitment to you is that I will uh, be fearless in holding to account those uh, entities and those individuals in corporate Australia who are just stealing the country out from under us. Fantastic. You know, we've got we've 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 had plenty of examples of that um, uh, this year. Now, look, one obviously the standout uh, the standout this year has been PwC um, stolen the headlines. Now, there was a transparency report. Now, PwC, um, as most of us will know, one of the big four accounting firms, consultancy firms, um, made headlines from about February of this year. Uh, it turns out. It had received confidential Australian government tax data, tax information uh, over several years, spanning back to 2013. Uh, it had taken that confidential information. Now, it had been engaged by the federal government to, to provide the government with advice because the federal government was introducing new, new laws aimed at stopping multinationals uh, avoiding tax. So it had engaged some PwC uh, executives, some partners. Um, and got some advice. Now, what PwC did, which emerged earlier this year, is PwC had taken that information, that secret confidential information, uh, and spruced it and gone overseas to, to, to Meta, Facebook, to a bunch, of the, a bunch of the big tech firms and said, look, here we go. We've got this information um, ahead of time. Um, we'll help you structure your tax so that you can or structure your, um, your company so that you can avoid these new laws before they even come out. Um, so that's obviously a bit of a problem. Now, over several years, the, um, the Australian Taxation Office um, was aware of this. Um, the, the Australian government or parts of the Australian government were aware of this, but behind the scenes for years and years, they sort of handballed it and did next to nothing. Now, a little-known tax agency called the Tax Practitioners Board, it's one of four Australian government tax bodies along with the ATO, the Australian Taxation Office. So the Tax Practitioners Board took action against one PwC partner who was involved um, called Peter Collins, as well as PwC itself. Uh, in January or February this year, um, there was a little uh, press release on, its, on, on the little-known TPB uh, uh, TPB agency's website ex explaining this. And so the, the Australian Financial Review picked up on this uh, and followed it through and made it into a big story, um, which has, has seen the mess that PwC is in now. So where we're at, um, Peter Collins is banned for two years. He's actually <laughs> legally allowed to, to practice again from next December, so 12 months from now. So he just got a slap on the wrist. PwC got nothing. Um, they said they had to do some more training. So their staff basically had to do it on one quiz for, for half an hour or so. Um, uh, that's where we're at. So um, later this year, obviously, PwC has been before Senate inquiries. It's been in the public spotlight. Um, they have uh, hived off their government consulting arms. So with these big four consultancy firms, they were originally uh, accountancy firms. They date back for well over 100 years. Um, over the past 20 years, perhaps 30 years, they've moved into consulting, which is um, extremely lucrative. So originally, they were just, you know, they were the auditors. So you've got a big, a major company, a Coke, DHP, PwC, or one of these big companies comes in, does the audit, says everything's clear or not, 
there you go. But they're also moved into consultancy, which is enormous amount of money for government contracts and private contracts. But overwhelmingly, the big, the big issue is government contracts. And what's come out this year is that there's been a, over the past decade or so, there's been a, a privatization of the public service. So you've seen enormous amounts of public service jobs slashed. Um, starting in around 2013 with the coalition, the former coalition government putting a cap uh, on public service. But what happened then is they let expenditure on uh, for the departments to, to uh, continue. So what you've seen is just huge amounts of jobs moved over to the big four. They hire staff, put them in place and make an enormous profit on the top. So it costs taxpayers an awful lot more. So that's coming out this year. Um, so that puts us... Uh, Puts us in the current frame. Now, what happened a few weeks back, um, Andy, this is something that um, Andy's picked up on particularly. There was a something called a transparency report released by PwC. Anthony, can I pick up on a couple? But just before I get into the transparency report, can I pick up on a couple of things that you've said? A couple of Please. things that I'd like to f- sort of flesh out for our listeners. Please do. Please. Let's go back to Peter John Collins, the the infamous Peter John Collins, a traitor to Australia. Peter Collins had sat on the tax advisory board uh, for many, many years, along with lots of other people from PwC and KPMG and Ernst & Young and Deloitte. And what he'd been doing on this board, him and his uh, commercial shyster mates in his firm and the other big audit firms, their role was to give advice to the treasurer on how to structure and tweak and fine-tune Australia's tax regime so that we could catch all of the big multinationals who are making hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in revenue in Australia and who pay no tax right i want i want to get this i want to make this very clear companies like facebook companies like news corp companies like um google they come to australia they avail themselves of all of the stuff that taxpayers have paid for so that they can do business here things like roads things like courts where they can sue people who owe them money and haven't paid them, things like a telecommunications network, things all, all of the things that we as taxpayers fund so that there can be a market in which these companies can do business. They come to this country, they do a roaring trade here, they make hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in profit, they pay no tax. Right, it is an absolute shyster fest. They pay no tax. They are so notorious for not paying tax that they're part of a group of companies called the Dirty Thirty Four. These are the thirty-four worst tax evaders on earth. So, Mr. Collins and his mates at PwC, they sit on this tax advisory board and they give advice to the treasurer on how to trap these companies into paying more tax. Well, that's the official reason. The unofficial reason is that they sit on these boards and what we discovered they were doing is they were giving advice to the treasurer 
on how to make these companies pay more tax and then immediately taking that advice and selling it to the dirty 34. So they would go to the dirty 34 and they'd say to them, guys, this is the new tax regime that's coming in at midnight on the 31st of December. We know this is the new tax regime that's coming in because we're the ones who've created it. These are the things that you need to do between now and then to avail yourselves of the back door that we have put into this tax regime, the back door so that you can continue to pay no tax. Anyway, through a confluence of events that, you know, was kind of happenstance and sheer luck and uh, people tripping over themselves and what have you, Peter John Collins was pinged. He was investigated. The Tax Practitioners Board took ages to investigate him because, of course, the Tax Practitioners Board is staffed with people who all used to work for PwC, including Ian, uh, what was his name, Anthony? Uh, Ian? Ian Klug. Ian Klug. So Ian Klug, Klug, yes, he actually worked for um, Coopers and Librand, which is the precursor to PwC. Um, Now, he did the whole investigation and went for two years and didn't disclose this anywhere. Two of the other members... Didn't disclose that he'd worked for the precursor to PwC whilst investigating a partner at PwC. And let me just point out to my listeners, if you were lucky enough to be a partner at PwC and you leave, you get a pension from PwC for the rest of your life that is indexed to how much profit PwC makes. So if you used to work for PwC, or I assume a precursor to PwC, you don't want to rock the boat too much because it's going to affect your pension. That might be something you might want to declare. Klug didn't declare it. Anyway. One point there particularly is that um, a lot of the same people, and this is what we found investigating, is a lot of the same people that were with Coopers and Librand at the time Klug was there uh, are still with PwC now. Um, so a lot of these people are lifers. They're sort of 20, 30 years there. So, so there's, there's real um, conflicts. Now, um, he has told the Senate inquiry that he, he wasn't still paid by PwC, but regardless, there are enormous conflicts there. Um, now, he left in, in sort of unusual circumstances earlier this year, um, shortly after the report was put out and he was replaced. But the person he was replaced with was a, a former KPMG partner himself. So you've got this tax practitioners board and even though it's sort of, you know, it's the one that's put this out in the public domain um, eventually, um, is thoroughly stacked with big four people. Now, I think and and let, let me just say to our, to our listeners, in fairness to Anthony Clan, part of the reason why Ian Klug ran for cover is because Anthony Clan reported on it in the klaxon. And the moment it hit, what, the moment it hit the klaxon, the cockroaches started running for the darkness. And it was interesting as well, you mentioned the, um, so the Board of Taxation had this advisory committee. Um, this is the one that um, the, the big four people were sitting on and, and giving advice to the Treasurer. That had been there for 20 years. Now, in around June this year, um, we sort of found it and put questions to them and said, well, what's, you know, what's going on? There's Peter Collins. Was he on this board? And look, there's another four current PwC partners currently on this board. Um, there are around 16 um, big four, KPMG, PwC, Ernst & Young, um, partners on this advisory panel, what's going on, uh, as well as a whole bunch of fossil fuel executives. Um, and what happened several days later, it was disappeared from the website and they so, actually told us. They, so, they disbanded the entire thing after two decades after we asked the question. 
So Anthony's being very modest. He doesn't, when he says we ask the question, he asks the question. Anthony Clan, one man show, running the klaxon, writes to the tax practitioners board that's been going for going steaming ahead, going great guns for 20 years. He says, excuse me, hello, I'm Anthony Clan. I run a very small news site called The Klaxon. I'm just curious to know about the membership of this tax practitioners board. Next thing, there's an announcement the tax practitioners board has been dissolved. Yeah, well, they didn't even announce it. They just responded to me saying it had been had been dissolved and what was wiped from their website. Luckily, I'd saved it beforehand. And there you go. See you later. It's gone. Unbelievable. It's yeah. unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. This is supposed to be Australia, not Mongolia or North Korea or... Afghanistan or Nigeria. This is supposed to be Australia. Anthony Clan asks one question and, a, and an advisory board that's been in existence for 20 years and advising the treasurer on tax suddenly overnight shuts down. Anyway, the tax practitioners board, which is not the same as the tax advisory board, the tax practitioners board investigates Peter John Collins. They find that he's uh, betrayed Australia that he sold tax secrets overseas and they bring down a slap on the wrist to him. He's not allowed to practice as a tax practitioner for about two years, I think. It's a slow news day and two journalists at the Australian Financial Review, Edmund Tadros and Neil Chenoweth, pick up on this this, uh, finding by the Tax Practitioners Board and they write a story about it. And next thing, the whole world explodes, right? The whole world just goes kaboom. Suddenly there's a Senate inquiry. How is this going on? How long has this been going on? Who else is involved? We can't tax these multinationals because bloody PwC is is feeding them tax secrets. We want more information about this. Tom Seymour, the CEO of PwC, goes before the Senate and he says, there's nothing to see here. Only Peter Collins was involved. There was no one else involved. There's nothing to see here. It's not a big deal. Everybody keep your hair on. It's only Peter Collins. And he said before a, a public um, a, a public event, he said, uh, it's just a perception issue when he was asked about it by a journalist. It's just a perception issue. That's it. See you later. Tadros and Chenoweth go and do a little bit more investigating, and they find that not only is it more than Peter Collins involved, not only are there 30, maybe 40, maybe 50, maybe 60, maybe 70, maybe 90 partners around the world who are sharing in this information, this top secret information that has been handed out as a betrayal by Peter Collins, a betrayal of his country. But guess who else is involved in the email chain? The CEO, Tom Seymour. The same guy who said, nothing to see here. It's just, you couldn't make this stuff up. Honestly, this this debacle, this stuff writes itself. So Tom Seymour has to step down. The Tax Practitioners Board is now in turmoil because it's been exposed as having taken two years to investigate something that they could have investigated in five minutes, that they've been uh, stacked with people who have conflicts of interest that are undeclared, that the tax advisory board is now very quietly one night in the dead of night shut itself down. Senator Pocock and Senator O'Neill are leading the charge. 
investigating the uh, consulting industry generally, and uh, people like Tom Seymour have had to step down. And what we discover is that when Tony Abbott became prime minister, he decided that the public service costs too much money and it's all a waste of money and public servants just sit around doing nothing and so retrench the whole lot of them and uh, the ones that are left will have to do more with less. So I think about 14,000 public servants were retrenched, at which point, of course, we didn't have enough public servants to run the country. And here's the rub, ladies and gentlemen. You need money to run a country. You can't run a country on ideology. You can't run a country on a belief that all government is bad and the only good government is small government and all of that claptrap that comes from the far right wing tinfoil hat brigade in the United States. Here's the reality. It costs money to run a country, number one. Number two, the Australian public service is not full of bludgers. It's not full of idiots and morons who are wasting money. It's actually full of people who are very highly qualified, who are very capable, who are very skilled, who are very motivated to do the public good, who are motivated to uphold the public good. The only difference is they're not motivated by getting rich. And it was those outstanding individuals that we got rid of and replaced with a consulting uh, with consulting firms that pay their lowest paid employee the equivalent per annum or charge out, should I say, charge out their lowest paid employee per annum more than the highest rung paid public servant. So instead of paying X amount for the work of those 14,000 people, we're now paying 10X. It's just remarkable. And, 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 what they, and what they do is, as we've heard from evidence and inquiries, is they'd, a lot of these people would be laid off. So they need an income PwC, KPMG, put an ad out, pick up some of these people in camera, put them back, charge them back three times as much, pay them less than they were earning from the government, but then um, charging them out at three times what the government was paying them before. So it's a massive waste. So you've, just in following the money here, and that's what you've always, we always need to do, um, the question is why? Now, who are the beneficiaries here? It's the big four consultancies. Um, the big four consultancies are huge donors to both the Liberal Party and the ALP. Um, so you've got the, the big four consultancies pumping money into the, the, the coalition, to the Liberal Party, um, head of the election, and then look what happens. Um, it also suits their so-called ideology. I say so-called because it's pretty, um, it's pretty cool. Um, this idea that small government's going to win because um, it doesn't, because they're, they've, they've taken this stance of getting rid of public servants and, and bringing back uh, putting it to the private sector at three times as much, it's, it's not an accident. I mean, at the same time as they were putting this, this, uh, this artificial cap on the public service or this cap on public servants, they knew full well that they were pumping out, um, pumping out the side door. It also gave them a headline. They could say, look, we've cut this much from the public service. Um, and the biggest, one of the biggest issues here is, is national security. I mean, you need to have a, a country, an advanced country, any country needs to have a, a solid public service. It needs to have um, continuity of, of information. It needs to have it built within the government, not in some, um, some private company on the, on the periphery. And I mean, these private companies, as we've, seen, as we've seen and we are continuing to see and we will continue to see, I'm certain, um, can't be trusted, overwhelmingly well, can't be trusted. Over the last 10 years, we've sunk in excess of $20 billion 
into consulting contracts with the big four, with PwC, KPMG, Deloitte, Ernst & Young. $20.8 billion. It's absolutely obscene. And I don't think that they've delivered much, right? No. I don't think they've delivered much. I mean, take RoboDebt, for example. PwC was up to its eyeballs in RoboDebt. They were paid a million dollars to deliver an eight-slide PowerPoint presentation. This is not value for money. This is not good government, big or small. And uh, while this is going on, it's very convenient for the government. It's certainly very convenient for the Turnbull, Abbott, Turnbull, Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison government to hive all of this off into consultancies because it's ex-budget. So when you pay a consulting company to do something that the civil service should have done, you can't be questioned on that at Senate estimates. That's the biggest thing. That, that, that's the, the biggest thing as well in my mind. You, you're absolutely spot on there. You can't be uh, questioned. The other thing is it's outside the, the PGPA Act, which is a really important piece of legislation, Public Governance, um, Public Service Act. Uh, and it governs um, the, the, the heads of the public service and, and senior officials um, and it's, and it's quite uh, quite strict. And we saw actually with, with um, the head of ASIC that we mentioned last episode, the head of the corporate regulator, there are issues in there that were caught by the PGPA Act. Now, it's not perfect. Um, could be stronger, but it is important. And, and heads of departments are concerned about it. Like, they are worried about it. We hear like, it's, it's, a, it's quite an issue because people can, can face severe penalties under it. But if you um, outsource it all, you can get away with doing all this and completely outside that act. So it's a fantastic way to evade accountability. It's a fantastic way to evade difficult questions like, for example, you ran a robo-debt scheme that you knew was illegal, and not only did you know it was illegal, you were warned constantly that it was damaging people's lives, and you had reports that at least uh, something like 40 people had committed suicide because you'd hounded them for money they didn't owe. So the, the, ro- the robo-debt scandal was this, um, you've got uh, people uh, receiving pensions or um, student assistance, um, and the government turns around and says, oh, look, some of you people, uh, heaps of you people haven't, have been overpaid, pay us back over the past many years. What they've done is just got a computer system that spat this out. Um, and they were warned at the time that you know, this is inaccurate because it wasn't based on saying, hey, you were supposed to be paid $100 and you were paid 200 what they did was they, they averaged people's income. So if you've um, ever received government allowances of any sort, um, you can say you can earn up to $200 a week, for example, before it sort of cuts into your benefits. Now, if you have a period of a month or two months where you're not working at all, then that can accrue. Um, so basically, you can't average it out because some weeks are far more than others. But what they did, they just averaged it out, this robo debt, averaged it out and just pinged um, thousands of people, sent them these enormous debts that, that just weren't accurate. So it had a devastating impact. A lot, of, a lot of the people that were receiving these are sort of vulnerable. You've got people on disability pensions, um, mental health um, issues. Um, and aside from it, I mean, if you're, you know, many young people um, committed suicide, you've got this, you know, enormous debt, you know, on top of everything else. Um, so and, P- and PwC was smack bang in the middle of all of that, delivering for a million dollars an eight-slide PowerPoint presentation. So when Barbara Pocock and Deborah O'Neill started to look into the consultocracy, they started to find that there were conflicts of interest everywhere. We've got one of the big four advising the Victorian Department of Health on how to cut smoking, while simultaneously advising tobacco companies on how to get around smoking legislation. We've got 
PwC, for example, identified as having uh, been an advisor to the health department on how much it should pay for medical equipment and then advising the people who make the medical equipment on what the maximum amount is that they could charge for that medical equipment. So this is what they were doing, right? They were going to the health department and they were saying, we think that the maximum you should pay for a piece of, for the following piece of equipment is a million dollars. And the health department goes, well, okay, you're the consultants and you're very expensive and we've got the minister bearing down on us saying, do what the consultants tell you to do. Okay, well, we'll approve it. We'll pay a million dollars. And then they scurry like cockroaches off to the company that makes the medical equipment. They go, good news, fellas, good news. You can charge a million dollars for each one of those pieces of equipment. We've sorted it out with the health department. So now we have a report that says Australia pays of the highest prices in the world for medical equipment, thanks to the cockroaches at PwC, the same cockroaches who were betraying our betraying Australia and selling tax secrets to the dirty 34. Then, and this this really got up my goat, Anthony, about a month ago, PwC issues a transparency report. They've got uh, somebody or other who is their chief uh, values officer or some other bullshit wanky title. I can't remember her name offhand. I can look in my in my LinkedIn feed. It's in there somewhere. Um, she's she's issued this O'Neill. I think her name is Janet O'Neill. She's issued this transparency report, and it gives PwC a magna cum laude pass on everything. And I looked at this and I thought, but hang on a minute, is this You've the same PwC that's? <laughs> yes, we've been we've been looking into all year, hearing about all year. Yeah, you're a criminal enterprise. Like, like you've been exposed as a criminal enterprise. You, and if, they're, if, they're continuing the cover-up. That's the biggest thing that gets me. It's blatant and they're continuing it um, full ball right now. And so you've got this, it's called their firm-wide transparency report, uh, and you can look it up online. If you Google PwC Australia Transparency Report Financial Year 23, and you've got... Uh, uh, the CEO, Kevin Burrows, with his shit-eating grin. This is the same guy. Kevin Burrows is the same guy who is in a leadership position at PwC in Singapore when people in the tax department in Singapore were trading on Australia's tax secrets. This guy has been imported into Australia to clean up the mess. I've written to the Minister of Immigration, Giles, Minister Giles, and I've said to him, I think it's time you deported Kevin Burrows. I think you should kick him out of Australia, deport him preferably via Villawood. But if you have a look at their transparency report, it is absolutely unbelievable, right? They go on and on about how, uh, I'll I'll read you a couple of lines, embedding the highest ethical and professional standards with integrity at our core. Excuse me while I projectile vomit. They've, they commissioned a report by Ziggy Swatovsky. Ziggy Swatovsky did a report into the criminality, the rampant criminality at PwC. But because PwC... Ziggy's a, a, a private business, to just jump in there. So Ziggy Swatovsky, he was the, the CEO of Telstra many years ago. He's a, basically a private businessman. Um, PwC's got in strife and they've said, oh, look, we'll uh, have an, uh, in inverted commas, an independent investigation. 
Then they go and get Ziggy and pay him and give him some secret instructions into what to undertake. Uh, he's done this inquiry. Um, PwC was forced to, at another government inquiry, explain what its terms of reference were, which are the instructions it set. Before that, it, it, had, uh, it, it had refused to, 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 to stipulate them to let the public know what they were, probably unsurprising, as it said. Uh, it, its instructions it gave to him were only to look at PwC from that point in time. So that was from March of this year or, or mid this year, which is after all of the all of the corruption. So or after all of that specific corruption. So they they weren't. Um, he was expressly told, and, and actually deep in the report we found it, he was expressly told not to look at anything that had happened earlier. So they said this is the investigation following this massive scandal, and and then they they. Uh, Tie, tie his hands behind his back from the outset. Now, he he's doesn't come across looking fantastic at all this because he obviously accepted to do that. He's accepted it. He's done what they've, you know, he's agreed to it. That's fine, but it's not the best look. For me. Ziggy Swatovsky's report into PwC was a canned hunt, right? And for those of you who are not familiar with how this works, when you get somebody to do a report into wrongdoing in the firm, if it's the firm itself that commissions the report, there's a temptation to set the terms of reference so that the truth will not be uncovered. Let me give you an example. Cominsure was the subject of the most terrible scandals because they had been denying people coverage under their life and disability uh, insurance. So, And this is, Adel- this is the Commonwealth Bank's insurance arm. Yeah. So Adele Ferguson, the great journalist Adele Ferguson, exposed, for example, how one fellow had had uh, death and disability insurance with Cominsure, and he'd had an accident and he'd been left permanently in a wheelchair, and Cominsure turned around and said, that doesn't meet our definition of disabled, we're not paying you out. So then there were lots of stories like that. There was a woman who worked for Cominsure and was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and she was discharged on medical grounds. They said to her, you're no longer fit to work here because you've got multiple sclerosis. And she said, well, that's terrible. At least I've got disability insurance. Uh, With Cominsure, she called up the claims department. She said, I've been discharged. I've got multiple sclerosis. They said, we don't regard that as disabled. She said, but you don't understand. I've just been discharged for disability because I've got multiple sclerosis with the same company. And they went, that, that's human resources. We're claims. So this exploded and retirement annuity funds in Australia, what, what we call superannuation funds, started to take their death and disability insurance away from Cominsure. So Cominsure got a report uh, done, I think it was by Deloitte's, I might, uh, Deloitte's or Ernst & Young, I can't remember, one of the two. They got one of those firms to do a report into um, how they'd been treating claimants under their death and disability insurance, and the report gave them a clean bill of health. The report said uh, Cominsure has done nothing wrong. They've got wonderful processes for meeting claims. They, they're marvellous. They're wonderful. They haven't uh, screwed anybody over, and we've looked at 3,000 files. Turned out the 3,000 files they'd looked at had all been chosen by Cominsure. So this is exactly. how companies manage these investigations. So they what, do it behind the scenes. They get it into, they get their own investigator, um, and they they get very specific with the law and just fudge it. You know, they they use the yeah, they set up their own loopholes essentially. 
And the public doesn't know that. The public doesn't understand that. The public doesn't understand the distinction about what was in the terms of reference. The public never gets to see the terms of reference. So the public sees a, sees a report by Ziggy Swatovsky that says uh, there are no further problems at PwC. But the public doesn't hear that PwC told Ziggy Swatovsky, you're not allowed to look at anything in the past. You're only allowed to look at PwC from the day on which you were appointed onwards. Well, what's the point? What's the bleeding point? There's no point in a report like that. And in fact, Professor Graham Samuel, who was uh, the second chair of the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission and is now a professor at Monash University and is one of, the, one of Australia's regulators who I admire the most, he's a regulator's titan. He is a man of the most unimpeachable integrity and a towering intellect. He gave evidence to the Senate where he lashed Ziggy Swatovsky's report and he said, if I'd been asked to do that report, I would have said to PwC, you don't tell me what the terms of reference are. I tell you what the terms of reference are. And you will accept my terms of reference or you can bugger off. Precisely. And that's where the integrity comes in. So PwC had this canned hunt with Ziggy Swatovsky, and they've issued this transparency report, which gives them an absolutely clean bill of health and says that they're doing the most wonderful things and it's all wonderful and it's all great and there's nothing to see here and it's all marvellous. And this is from a firm that is an international criminal conspiracy. So you go back and you look at the year before. You look at the 2022 transparency report financial year 2022. And that, of course, is the, per the person who provides that uh, report's introduction is none other than Tom Seymour. Tom Seymour, the fellow who had to resign because he'd lied to Parliament. So in the 2022 report, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like comedy hour with these guys. It's remarkable. It just goes, goes around in circles, um, depressing. Um yeah, depressing improper circles. Look, I'll, I'll just pulled up this, um, Andy. Now, deep in the, it's worth noting. So, this, this um, the independent uh, report came out a couple of months ago. Um, now, it was media managed from the outset, as PwC Australia has done with everything um, since the scandal broke. Now, it hasn't given one press conference, one media interview, nothing. Um, so, as for accountability, transparency report getting full marks, they won't even speak to the media. Um, now, the reason they won't speak to the media is their statements are all extremely carefully worded, gone over with the fine-tooth comb by corporate lawyers, many of them, no doubt, um, so that they can sort of walk this tightrope of not actually um, or continuing to cover up what's going on. And I'm not using cover up lightly. That's exactly what they're doing, um, having spent many hours looking at this, not that you need to, to work that out. Um, so deep in this review, this report comes out. So on the same day, they release, it's, it's anticipated, um, the media is ready for it. They release this, uh, this Spaskowski report, it's about 80 pages or thereabouts, um, full of fluff and, you know, all the rest of it and three-point plans and whatnot, um, a bunch of gibberish mainly. Um, so they put that out at about 10 a.m. And so that's full of all the newspapers, all the media. You've got all these stories out at about midday or thereabouts. They've given it to the media under an embargo, which means the media can have it several hours before, but it can't publish it. I think it was 10, 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. Um, thereabouts. So then all these stories coming out, the whole media is awash with, with this report, the Ziggy Switzkowski report. Now, 
not one person is named in that report. There's not one individual uh, named as, as being involved in any wrongdoing in the whole Switzkowski report. Now, what PwC did um, was that at about 12 p.m., they quietly put on their website this document called PwC Australia's Statement of Facts. Now, it actually names a few people, not many more than they're actually originally named, but it puts a bit more meat, meat on the bones. But what this meant was that you've got all the media reporting, all the stories are up um, regarding you know this sort of fluffy, everything's fine, don't worry about it. Um, but then the actual meat on the bones, or the, the, the stronger report, which was from PwC or the Statement of Facts, just gets buried. Um, so that's just playing with the media straight up, straight away. But anyway, just from the Switzkowski report, so we dug through this, I dug through this on the day. Um, deep in the report, it says, importantly, the review was specifically not tasked with undertaking an analysis of the cause of the now infamous breach of confidentiality by a tax partner and various failures that followed, or with determining accountability for any of those breaches or failures, full stop. So there you go, from the outset, nothing. But then PwC turns around and uses this as an example that everything's fine now. Um, we've fixed up the problems, nothing to see here. And as we saw a few weeks ago, Luke Sayers, who was PwC Australia CEO from 2012 to 2020. So he was the CEO throughout this tax scandal. He was the boss man in charge throughout this entire tax leaks affair when it was happening behind the scenes. Now he gets up and says, oh, look, I'm, it's nothing to do with me. I'm fine. I didn't know anything, didn't know anything about it. I didn't know, didn't know the specifics. Um, and look, this report says everything's fine. So, you know, there you go. Um, so it's just sort of going around in circles. So it's, it's before the Senate inquiry at the moment. Uh, the Senate inquiry recently pushed back its reporting date. Uh, again, I think it's to March, uh, end of March next year. So it's a couple more months. They may indeed extend it again. Um, just given the importance of what they're covering um, and the, the continuing cover-up by PwC. Now, I think it's worth noting here, PwC is one of the biggest consultancies in the world, perhaps one or two. Um, now, this was Australia giving, Australia's Peter Collins and numerous others, giving information, secret information, setting up um, this, uh, this scam um, with American counterparts, discussing it with British counterparts, sharing confidential information with PwC executives around the world. Now, PwC from the outset has been desperate to, to keep this uh, isolated to Australia and not let it spread because obviously so many other partners are involved. It was worldwide. Um, so they've been everything they've done to date has been consistent with that cover-up. So also on the same day that they released the Switzkowski report, which it's worth noting had been done two months beforehand or six weeks beforehand, they only just released it six weeks later. Um, on that same day, PwC Global puts out a statement saying, oh, we've had a little bit of a look. Um, some people have left. It doesn't say who, doesn't say anything more. It's about four or five paragraphs, completely, you know, completely hopeless. Um, but that's sort of all part of the, the ongoing cover-up and, and, and uh, machinations of what PwC has been up to. But it's worth um, keeping in mind that I think that the one thing we haven't mentioned yet, Andy, is this, this cachet of emails. So on March 2nd, um, following the, the scandal breaking this um, Senate inquiry, and this underscores the importance of Senate inquiries. So they're, they're made up of this particular inquiry is made up of a senator from the Greens, a senator from the National Liberal Party, uh, and a senator from the ALP. So you've got the full cross-section there of the major, three major parties. Um, now, they're not part of the government per se, so they're just out to work out what's going on. So they've got powers to call witnesses, etc. So they've done a, a, a very, very good job and continue to do a very good job 
Um, but they got their hands on this internal cache of emails, 144 pages of internal PwC emails from 2013 to 2018, discussing sharing all this private uh, confidential information, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where we've been able to, to, to go to that information and work out gradually what's gone on. Now, one key problem here is that the PwC has provided this to the Tax Practitioners Board some years ago. The Tax Practitioners Board has, after several months, given it to the Senate inquiry or a couple of months, um, but it's heavily redacted. So every single name from this 144 pages has been redacted except for Peter Collins. Um, now, what this led to was, you might recall, the audience might recall here, there was this list of 60-odd names that PwC is refusing to hand over. Um, so these are among the names of people that received these emails. Um, so the Senate still hasn't received an unredacted version of the emails, or if it has, it has been unable to release it. Now, the, the Senate was concerned that releasing any more information might come back on it because um, PwC could push out information uh, and have that uh, have it rule have a court rule inadmissible. So whether that's the case or not, um, who knows? But where we're at at the moment is now that PwC has named say a dozen or twelve or thirteen people, it can now uh, the tax practitioners board can now provide another copy of that uh, that document with all those names unredacted. So it actually gives us a lot more information. So we're waiting to see if they do that. Um, but yeah, Andy, over to you. While all of that was going on. A lot of those emails were backwards and forwards between Peter Collins and partners in the United States, the United Kingdom, Singapore. Kevin Burrows, who is the guy in charge of PwC in Australia now, who was imported, who was parachuted in from Singapore, uh, he's a and he, and he had he had been a long time uh, one of the top bosses in in uh, PwC. London. So PwC's original base is London. He was one of the top bosses there and he spent, I think, 18 months or two years on, on exchange in Singapore set up there, yes. He commissioned uh, an inquiry into whether any of the other partners outside of Australia had any questions to answer, whether any of them were implicated, whether any of them should be uh, brought to justice. The terms of reference of all of those inquiries, they were done by, one was done by a large law firm, I think. All of the terms of reference. Yes. So these were conducted by the global arm of the firm. And and there was a, maybe by Linklaters? Linklaters was one of them. I think um, Burroughs has actually told the Senate that he doesn't know what the outcome of those reports were because, oh, look, PwC Global hasn't shared it with him, which is, you know, absurd. And if it hasn't, which it may not have, it'll be expressly because he can then say that. Um, but if you've got the head of PwC has come to sort of clean up the mess, isn't being told what happened outside of Australia, well, that's a pretty big problem right there, isn't it? Um, well, now, how, how can you have, how can we believe, how can there be any credibility at all? This is what we know. We know that the traitor Collins, who betrayed his country, along with uh, perhaps as many as 90 of his colleagues at PwC who betrayed Australia. And they received sending, this information and then didn't, didn't report it or didn't, did nothing We're sending this information overseas so that their colleagues in Singapore and Malaysia and the United Kingdom and the United States could sell Australia's tax secrets to the Dirty 34. We know that. And then we get told by PwC that 
they have run an internal inquiry. They won't let us see the terms of reference. They won't let us see the results. They won't let us see the reports. But what they will tell us is not to worry. Every single partner overseas has been exonerated. I call it bullshit. I call that a bald-faced lie. And if that's the way PwC is going to treat the, the population of Australia, we should shut them down. If they're going to lie to us, if they're going to disrespect us that way, they should not be allowed to operate in Australia. But, ladies and gentlemen, it gets worse. Let's move on to KPMG. At least with PwC, when Tom Seymour was caught lying and telling everybody it was only Peter Collins until we discovered, well, it wasn't actually only Peter Collins, it was also you, Mr. Seymour, he had to resign. The, the partners at PwC did the right thing and they said, you're damaged goods, Tommy boy. You're toxic. You've been exposed as a liar and a fraud. You have to go, right? Compare that with Andrew Yates. Andrew Yates is the CEO of KPMG. Andrew Yates was in charge of KPMG while the Tahi scandal erupted. The Tahi scandal was the transport asset holdings entity. I think it's well, I think that's what it stands for. At any rate, KPMG did a report for New South Wales Treasury in which they concealed the true cost of the rail network. My good friend and colleague, Professor Brendan Lyon, who is now a professor of accounting at the University of Wollongong, became a whistleblower. He exposed this fraud. He was hounded out of KPMG by uh, the top echelon, including, well, the leadership of KPMG, who then, because they're such a bunch of fornicating baboons, they put together a dirt file on him. And they're so stupid, they by mistake emailed him the dirt file. This is what monkeys they are, right? These guys are not the smartest guys in the room. These guys are monkeys. <laughs> they, they certainly they, are. They by mistake sent an email to Brendan Lyon in which they had as an attachment or had an, in the body of the email all the dirt that they were going to dish up about him and send to journalists, including the fact that about a thousand years ago, when he was a student at uni, he was a member of a club called uh, Blokes Against Loony Lefty Lesbians or something. This is when he was an undergraduate. Who gives a shit, man? Who gives a damn? When kids are that age, they do all sorts of stupid things. So that's just pathetic. That just goes to the extent of how pathetic they are. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely pathetic. They were trying to smear him. They were trying to shut him up. And, it, and uh, it looked like they were going to succeed until the New South Wales Auditor General got hold of the issue, looked at what KPMG had done with New South Wales Rail and blew the whistle on them and said, this is outright fraud. Andrew Yates went before Parliament and he fudged it. And he said, oh, we didn't quite get it right on that occasion. The partners at KPMG, being a bunch of gutless worms, haven't turned around to him and said to him, you are not fit to lead our firm. You are not fit to be the public face of our firm. You have been the public face where we have been exposed as having engaged in fraud 
with the New South Wales Department of, of Railways. But it gets even worse than that. There's a thing called power mapping. And what power mapping is, is that these big four consulting firms, they draw up uh, mind maps or power maps. And they list all of the people that they know in a particular department, what their titles are, where they've worked before, and whether they are well disposed towards the firm or not. So they give them a, a like a traffic light ranking. This one is opposed to us. This one is uh, uh, amber light because he's sort of mildly amenable to, the, to us. This one's a green light because he's very positive towards us. So these are the people in the particular government department that we need to go and target in order to get work from that department, in order to get work from that department, sucking down money from the public purse, sucking down money where we won't provide value for money, we'll just make ourselves rich. Sucking to, to, down to, money... Sucking down money where we will cost the taxpayer an exorbitant amount of money and give them absolutely no value in return, because that's the kind of parasites we are. And it's so, worth pointing out here, just quickly, sorry, Andy, that you, with partners, so there's this the, the peculiar partnership or the, or the setup of these firms. Ordinarily, you'd have a company, you'd have shareholders, um, you'd have a board of directors that oversees the CEO um, and the board of directors of the chairman, so you've got an independent board. Now, with these big four consultancies, they're set up in such a way that there's extremely limited um, accountability. And that's why they've got away with this so far uh, to the extent they have. And that's why they're still pulling off this um, this cover up is that you haven't got an independent board and independent directors who are overseeing and whose job is to say, look, that's no good. Um, you're fired or the executives are fired. Um, the people calling the shots are all the partners. So if PwC, for example, has 800 odd partners. Now, these are people that have got a job with PwC, a lot of them out of university, been there for 10 years or so, 20 years, then they then they become a partner. And a partner just means they own a share of it. So you've got you know, PwC Australia, which makes billions of dollars a year, a year, much of that from the Australian taxpayer, the profits of all that divided between these 800 partners. So these 800 partners are the ones that say, hey, you've got to go to the executive or not. But they're all hugely invested in PwC continuing, PwC continuing to make huge amounts of money, um, unless so it is clear uh, in, in having proper governance. So you wouldn't have seen it get anywhere near as bad as this had it been a normal structure. The other thing is um, PwC um, cashes in on being you know, this huge global brand, etc. But when there's strife in, any, in, in individual countries, as we saw recently in Cyprus, um, PwC allegedly money laundering essentially for the, um, for the Russian, for Russian oligarchs, um, they say, oh, look, it's, it's an individual country. It's up to them. It's not up to us. So they, they have it both ways there. Um, but yes, K KPMG, Andy. And it's the same with KPMG. It's the same structure with KPMG. Yeah, exactly. So Andrew Yates and his organ grinder go before the Senate inquiry. And Senator Pocock says to Andrew Yates, do you use power maps? No, he says, no, 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 we don't use power maps. No, no, we don't do that sort of thing. So she holds up a power map. She holds up a power map published by KPMG. And she says to Yates, this, this is one of your power maps. Wow. How can you sit here and lie to us and tell us you don't have power maps? So his idiot sidekick says, oh, well... Well, we didn't quite define that as a power map. We, we defined it as a map of power or some other inane, vacuous, facile load of cack. 
oh, we didn't quite we didn't quite know whether that fitted the definition of a power map. So Senator Deborah O'Neill steps in and she says, "That's not the question you were asked, Boyo." They they you, they foresaw this. <laughs> yeah, they foresaw that KPMG would try and engage in some pathetic little semantic dance and try and get some, very some, some dishonest, unethical dance. Yeah, some some little dance about what the words actually mean. So Senator Deborah O'Neill, who's as sharp as a tack, she steps in and she says, that's not what you were asked, Boyo. You responded to a question on notice, and I will read and reiterate the question on notice. The question on notice was, do you use power maps or influence maps or any other kind of mapping tool where you list people in a government department and specify what their role is and whether they are well disposed to you or otherwise, and irrespective of what name you give that technique. So idiot sidekick says, oh, oh, well, oh, no, we, we just focused on the word power map. Liar. Absolute bloody liars. Lying through their teeth, and Barbara Pocock turned round to them and said to them, You are lying. You are lying to the Senate. This is a power map. And it doesn't matter whether you call it a power map or an influence map or whether you call it Frank or whether you call it Bob or whether you call it Timothy. This fits the definition of what we asked you about. You have lied to us. What's happened to Andrew Yates? Nothing. And this leads me to the conclusion that while PwC is absolutely deplorable, they are like airborne cancer. They are a threat to Australia, to the Australian community and to the public good. KPMG is worse. KPMG is worse. Now, this week, or in the last week, there have been reports on the ABC. Yates was asked whether... He was asked about an allegation. So, so KPMG is the biggest consultant for our Department of Defense. In fact, there was a Four Corners episode in which they showed the viewer where the various offices of KPMG, PwC, Ernst & Young, and Deloitte were located in Canberra. The KPMG office, and it's a big office, is right next door to defense. So they can get their tentacles, they can, the succubus can get its tentacles into defence and undermine our defensive capability, undermine our national sovereignty, undermine our ability to protect ourselves, and in, in the procurement of the most expensive things that the Australian government buys, like $300 billion for submarines. So Yates was asked about a whistleblower who made an allegation that KPMG has been overcharging defence. The, the whistleblower said that KPMG has been overcharging defence on every single contract. Oh, no, 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 we don't do that. No, no evidence of that. Also no evidence of power mapping. He said there had been no evidence of, he said, we looked into this specific case and there was no evidence found. We, 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 we would never do that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that was just, that was their response. But yeah. Now in the last week, article up on the ABC, $515 million contract, half a billion dollars, of which $100 million was paid to KPMG for work they didn't do. And when it was discovered 
that it had been paid to them for work they didn't do, what did they do? They didn't refund defence. They gave them a credit note. Wow. What can I can I can I just engage in some some colourful language here, Anthony? What the actual fuck? That's saying, look, we've given you some credit to come back and <laughs> have our have our shoddy services all over again. This is, go, a, this is a corruption extravaganza. This is Australia Australia is is rapidly going from being like Sweden but with better weather to being like Russia with better weather. This is unbelievable. A hundred million dollar contract that they were paid for, and they knew they were paid despite the fact that they hadn't done the work. As youths in hoodies would say, WTAF, what the actual fuck? And you want to talk about cost of living, well, there's your problem right there. Well, there's a problem right there. Huge amounts of money, taxpayers' money, going out the door to this sort of nonsense. So, And what's happened to and Andrew Yates? Nothing. And what does that tell you about the partners at KPMG? They are rotten to the core. They are absolutely toxic. KPMG is a toxin, and it's got to be removed from the Australian body politic. I grew up in South Africa. KPMG was damn nearly shut down in South Africa about, I think, about uh, seven or eight years ago. They were found to be so knee-deep in corruption. They were found to have been so knee-deep in enabling the former corrupt president, Jacob Zuma, who ended up in jail for a short period of time that KPMG was so enmeshed and involved in facilitating the corruption of state capture, as it's called in South Africa, that most of their major institutional clients dumped them, including my alma mater, the University of Witwatersrand. Major institutional customers in South Africa said, we are all, all of us, every South African is suffering under the yoke of corruption and maladministration in this country. We're sick of it. We're all suffering because of it. Our lives are being devastated because of it. And these bastards at KPMG, they are knee deep in it, right? Write them off. Don't give them any audit work. We're finished with them. KPMG came very close to having to shut itself down. The, the global chair, the global head high over God, whatever his title is, of KPMG went to South Africa and begged for forgiveness. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. We didn't mean this. It's not part of our values. Which is These like what PwC's global boss did in Australia recently. Yep. Although he didn't front up for any media questions and it was pretty low profile, so it was sort of no. behind the scenes, but, you know, standard protocol, yeah. At least the guy from KPMG fronted the media and said, oh, we're so sorry. We didn't mean this. A couple of years later, fast forward to Australia, they've been paid $100 million for a contract they never performed, and they accepted the money. And then if you have a look at their transparency report and their annual report, they'll also have all sorts of wank words about our values and we take our values very seriously. Well, it's, it's the same sort of thing. I mean, power mapping. It's the same sort of thing we've seen over the past, the past few years, the same, the same sort of transparency report. But anyway, anyway we'd, we'd better wrap up there. Um, just on just on an hour. So um, thank you very much for listening. This has been episode two. Um, we will be back soon with episode three and continuing to, to shine a spotlight. Andy, um, thanks for your time. 
Yes, and thank you to our listeners for listening to our to our rants. And if we don't speak to you again before the end of the year, to each and every one of you, a very merry Christmas or non-denominational gift, gratuitous gift-giving season to you all. And let me assure you, Anthony and I are going to keep fighting to stop these shysters stealing this country.